Today, we are going to start our study on the book of Jude. Very few of you have heard of this book, let alone study it. But I can assure you that it is one of what we call the end time epistles. And that's what we have been doing at SIBKL this year. So the Lord has led us uh, to study the end time epistles this year. We've just finished our Revelation series and we have also just finished 1st and 2nd Thessalonians from the pulpit. So today we will start on the short epistle of Jude. And uh, so today I'm going to just give you an overview and then for the next five weekends we will look into detail on just 25 verses. But believe me, friends, it's absolutely power-packed. You won't want to miss any weekend because there's so much in this 25 verses that we can actually preach another five more sermons, but we won't. So let me just open in prayer as we start our study on the short but very, very important epistle of Jude. So, Father, we want to commit even this weekend to you as we look into your word again. Lord, ultimately, Lord, it is your spiritual food that will feed us, feed us, feed us so that we can be strong. We can be strong to face the challenges of these end times. Lord, we know that we need to be alert. We need to be uh, spiritually alive and we need to be really, really prepared to face the challenges especially, Lord, in these end times. So help me, even as I download what you have given to me in our study this weekend. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Who is Jude? So the good question to ask right to begin our overview is, who was Jude? Actually, Jude was one of Jesus' Brothers. What, Pastor? Jesus got brothers one. Huh? Yes. And sisters also. Jesus also got sisters one. So where do I get it from? Mark chapter 6, verse 3. When it says, Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and brother of James? Joseph, Judas, as Jude, and Simon, and his sisters here with us. Hey, Jesus got sisters one, huh? And they took offense at him. So if you take this verse from Mark chapter 6, immediately we learn that Jesus Christ has four brothers. And two of them are very important. James, the elder brother, and Judas, or Jude, the third brother. And there are sisters as well. Sisters, plural. Huh? So at least we know Jesus has at least two sisters. But the amazing thing is this. While Jesus was alive on planet Earth, none of the brothers believed in him. In fact, in John chapter 7, verse 5, it records an incident at a Feast of Tabernacles 
when the brothers teased Jesus, mocked him. Hey, Feast of Tabernacles, aren't you going? And Jesus made this statement, it is not my time yet. And then in John chapter 7, verse 5, it's, right, it's recorded, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. Wow. Well, familiarity breeds contempt, I suppose. But after the resurrection, ha, all his brothers and sisters, everyone believed in him. And not only that, James, the elder brother, Jude, the third brother, both wrote epistles. They became part of the New Testament. And not only that, James, the elder brother, became the leader of the Jerusalem church. Of course, he was beheaded. But amazing, amazing transformation because they saw in his brother something that was supernatural and divine. Very interestingly, how does Jude introduce himself in his epistle? Let's read Jude chapter 1, verse 1. There's no chapter anyway. It's Jude, 25 verses. It's so Jude, verse 1. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved by God, the Father, and kept by Jesus Christ. Hey, Jude never pull rank, you know. Jude never claimed family ties. Hey, listen, listen. Hey, I am the brother of Jesus Christ. No. How does he address himself? Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ. But just in case, huh, you don't know who I am. Huh? I'm a brother of James. And you know who is James? James is the brother of Jesus Christ. In other words, I'm a brother of Jesus Christ. Huh? Hin, 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 hin. In him, very indirect, but telling you who I, Jude, am. Incidentally, I, Jude, maybe the Beatles got their inspiration from their song by reading this epistle. Don't know. But why did Jude write this short letter of only 25 verses? Verse 3 to verse 4. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints, for certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. So we read from these two verses, three and four, that originally James wanted to write a letter about the salvation we share. But something happened. What happened? Godless men have now slipped in among you. 
and cause trouble. False teachers, divisive elements, and they want to change the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign, and God. Wow! I must do something, Jude said. So I now change my original intention to now address this pressing issue that if not dealt with, would contaminate, split, destroy the church, especially at the end times. This is an end time epistle and it is very, very relevant to you and I today. And I will tell you why this is an end time epistle. Godless men, false teachers, corrupt leaders, trouble makers. And you know that in verse 15 to verse 18, Jude mentions and elaborates on what these godless men do. He mentioned godless men in verse 4, and he tells you what these ungodly people do. Five times from verse 15 to verse 17. Ungodly, ungodly, and this is what they do. And we will look at it in a short while. Friends, listen to me. That's why the epistle of Jude is so, so relevant today and it will do well for you and I after finishing Revelation, after finishing First and Second Thessalonians to now look into this very important epistle which is power-packed. And I tell you something, in the next two months, we will be blessed. It reminds me of what Paul wrote in Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to verse 5, when he warns us in the end times. See, scripture is very, very consistent. So let me read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to verse 5, and hear what Paul's warned us and describe exactly the same scenario as Jude. Paul writes, Mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, ungodly, you see, um, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, uh, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God have a form of godliness but denying its power have nothing to do with them. Same posture for Jude. And uh, we have to take it very seriously that these are the end times. And if we are not careful, 
and allow these people, where are they now? Inside the church. You see, we always say that we, it's easier to face external opposition because you know who they are. Ma. You identify your opposition. Ma. But when they are inside, you can't recognize them. That's most insidious. That is more dangerous. Be careful. So it's very important, my friend. SIBKL, pay attention to this short but very significant epistle of Jude. So the whole purpose of Jude actually is to address two key issues. Number one, what I call the corruption and the carnality of the end time church from verse 1 to verse 17. And then in five verses, of, of the, to verse 19 actually, and then in five to six verses, from verse 20 to 25, Jude tells us how to counter it. Ah, the carnality of the end time church, majority of this epistle, and the last five to six verses, this is how you overcome. This is how you encounter or counter them. So before I share with you the broad outline, this is an overview, uh, believe me, look, when we go deeper into it, verse by verse, and unravel and unpackage it, believe me, you will be blessed and it will blow your mind as we study this 25 verses of Jude. I like what one commentator described this short epistle. I like it. He says, first of all, this epistle is very short, very small, and maybe that's the reason why it's neglected, because it's insignificant. But second and thirdly, he said, this epistle is very strong and very severe. What does it mean? The languaging. Very strong language. Oh, don't play, play. Oh, you say things that us a chewer sometimes, inverted commas, cold, harsh. Wait until you hear Jude. Very strong language. And the problem is this, you see. All of us like nice letters. Bless you. Sex, sex. Comfort you. Nothing wrong with that. There are times for it. Uh, no need to repent. Mana. Go and sin. Ah. God is so loving. He is so gracious. Repent once to go. Because once you repent, ah, your past sins, your present sins, your future sins, all forgiven. No need solemn assembly. Why was solemn assembly for? No need repent one. Because God, why? So loving. Wrong. Behold, the kindness and the severity of God. Very strong language. Very severe. Very sharp. 
this commentator says, why? Cutting edge. Cut what? The flesh. The carnality. So that we are ready to face the persecution, the suffering, and all the challenging times that lie ahead. If you're like, how to face war? So all the time, Jude and all these end-time epistles is to prepare us, Revelation, prepare us to face the challenging times. that lie. And I don't have to tell you this. Uh, look, I'm not a prophet and gloom of gloom and doom. I'm not. But I cannot superficialize, buttery, what scripture tells us, ma? Do you think so? I will be so untruthful to you. I can't do that, my friend. Sorry, la. You know, there are people, not a lot, la, maybe three or four, and that upsets me, actually, who have left our church because we do not speak blessing enough in our sermons. <sighs> Upsets me. But be blessed. We pray all of God's best for them. But as far as I'm concerned, we will preach what Scripture says without fear or favor of man. Is it okay with you? And finally, this commentator says, this epistle is not only very short, very strong, very severe, very sharp, but very strange. Why? Uh, because somewhere in this epistle, it tells of the episode when the archangel Michael contended with Satan for the body of Moses. You, know? you don't find it anywhere. One. And somewhere it's an interlude. It says that the archangel contended and, 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 and quarrel with Satan over Moses' body. Haha, important lesson. Archangel never directly rebuked Satan. But he said, that's in verse 9 of Jude. The Lord rebukes you. Good lesson for those of you who are fighting spiritual warfare. Okay? <laughs> Even Archangel Michael had tremendous respect for the devil. He says, the Lord rebukes you. You do that. We'll come to it a little bit more. And so this is my subdivision of the letter of Jude. I modified it after looking at so many. And this, to me, is the best, clearest, and most concise way of looking at this 25 uh, uh, verses. Number one, A. The carnality of the church. This in verse uh, 1, uh, after the, the, the greetings, right up to verse 19. And this carnality of the church, Jude shares it in two segments or two tranches. I call it two tranches. The first tranche, verse 5 to verse 7, and then there's an interlude of the Moses body, all right, from verse 8 to verse 9. And then comes the second tranche or the second segment of the carnality of the end time church from verse 10 to verse 19. And then from verse 20 to verse 23, after elaborating on the carnality of the end time church, Jude then tells us how to counter it. 
just four verses, verse 20 to verse 23. And then verse 24 to 25 comes the most quoted verses of Jude, the benediction. So this is how Jude is divided from my perspective. First of all, the carnality of the end time church. In the first tranche, from verse 5 to verse 7, Jude used three Old Testament examples. And of course, those the pastors who have been assigned this portion will clearly look into these three Old Testament examples in a little bit more detail. You don't want to miss it. What are the three examples of carnality? Number one, the Jews, after coming out of Egypt, so, 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 so spiritual, they forgot it. Whole life want to go back to Egypt. Murmur, grumble. So unbelief. The second example was the angels who rebelled against God. Yeah, it's quoted here. Non-submission to authority. And the third group of people, or third example that Jude used in the first tranche, the first segment, to illustrate carnality is Sodom and Gomorrah. What is that? Unbridled lust. Wow. Power pack, man. So, you could have a wonderful time looking at all of these three Old Testament examples to illustrate the carnality in the Old Testament, in the, in the, in the end time church. It's very interesting that, do you know that uh, 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 regarding the Jews coming out of Egypt, three separate writers of the New Testament quoted this. Serious? Yes. Who are they? Jude. This Jude, verse 5. Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 to 13. And the writer to the Hebrews, in chapter 3, verse 7 to 19. Three separate writers quoted this incident when we all know the children of Israel came out of Egypt, but Egypt never came out of them. Finally, they perished. What a what a lesson. Listener, if three separate Old New Testament writers quote this to warn us, you better take note, no? And I want to quote Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 to verse 8. When the writer to the book of Hebrews says this, Today, These coming weeks. Now, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. As you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert. It's scary, my friend. It's absolutely scary. That's why you always hear me say, don't only start well, huh? finish. Can I repeat that? Scary old, 
don't only start well, my friend. Please, join me. Let us finish well. Amen. The second, and then came the interlude. All right, verse 8 to 9. The interlude. Okay, just uh, take a break. Oh, yeah, so intense. Uh. Whew, take a break. Okay. And then from verse 10 to verse 11, Jude goes on to, to talk about the carnality of the end time church in three separate ways. Number one, he gives three more, three more Old Testament examples. What are they? Cain. What is Cain's problem? Anger. In Genesis, God spoke to Cain. Cain, why are you so angry? Why? Uh? Because when you're angry, you do stupid things. Sin is crouching at the door of your heart. If you have anger problem, uh, be careful. Oh. The other Old Testament example was Balaam. That's found in Numbers 22, 23, 24, 25. I'm sure we will look into this section. I'm, I will look into that because I'm doing that segment. What was Balaam's problem? Not anger. I call it avarice. Avarice means greed. I give you money, huh? Balak said, to curse Israel. Not enough money. You want more money? More money, lah. More money. And finally he did. But instead of cursing Israel, when Balaam opened his mouth, he blessed Israel. In fact, not only blessed Israel, huh? begin prophetic some more. A star will come out of Jacob, a scepter out of Israel. Whoa! That's God. And the third New Test Old Testament example in the second tranche is none other than Korah. Non-submission to authority. That's carnal. Whether you like it or whether you don't, my friend, there is a divine order. God will deal with your senior pastor, Wana. God will deal with your leaders. La. You don't have to backbite. You don't have to slander. And if you tell me, Pastor, are you sure or not? Listen, it's not here in SIBKL. Praise the Lord. We are so blessed with a wonderful, wonderful church that supports and loves the leadership of the church but not so in a lot of other churches. And as I speak, I know what I'm talking about. These sort of people, they come in, divide, lah, they, they cause trouble, lah, they did not submitted to authority, lah, and they want to take over. Lah. Hey, believe me, uh, this is very, very, very real. Uh, okay? And let's pray that it will never, never happen in SIBKL. The second way in which Jude continues to illustrate on the carnality of the end-time church is he uses four metaphors with the without metaphors, I call it. What are the four metaphors? From verse 12 to verse 13. Clouds without rain, trees without fruit, waves without impact, wandering stars without purpose, all carnal. Can you imagine that? Trees without fruit or four? 
Clouds without rain, no. For sure only la. Waves without impact, foamy waves. Lot of debris. No use one. Wandering stars without purpose. And the third way in which Jude illustrate carnality is an elaboration of ungodliness. The, the elaboration of the godlessness. Remember he mentioned about godless people that's now come in. Now who are these godless people? Now he doesn't take Old Testament examples now. He takes what is happening in the that church at that point in time and I believe what is present in the end time church today. Who are these people? Verse 14 to verse 19. The grumblers. Nothing happy, nothing satisfied them. Uh. Grumble, 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 grumble all the time. Uh. Never praise one, uh, no. The fault finders, yeah. Only looking for faults. The boasters. The flatterers. The scoffers. You know what scoffing? Scoffing means ridicule. Scoffing means speak with contempt. Scoffers means mock. Don't do that. And the last group is very important. The dividers. You know, there are seven things God hates in Proverbs chapter 6. And among them, God says, I hate those who causes dissent among my brothers. Please don't do that. You incur the wrath of God. So how do we counter them? This is an overview, right? Just give you a foretaste of this to come to wedge appetite. Powerful epistle, man. Only 25 verses, you know. Power pack. So from verse 20 to verse 23, Jude tells us, uh, I think, five ways, or it could be more, of how to counter these carnal people that have now come into the church and listen very well. Number one, build yourselves up in the most holy faith. Verse 20. But you, dear friends, build yourself up in your most holy faith. How do you do that? Pray in the Holy Spirit. In other words, pray. So how do you build yourself up spiritually? And you heard me mention it many times. It's like going to the gym, right? You exercise your muscles. Ma. You don't go to the gym just to look at it and sit in a chair. I've been to the gym. Doing what? Just sit down. I've been to the gym, they want to drink coffee. Then why go to the gym? No. You take up all these things so that your muscles are strong, right? So build yourself up in the most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Verse 21. Live your life waiting expectantly for the coming of the Lord. Jesus is an end time epistle. And very important. The fifth one is so important and so relevant today. Help 
others who are spiritually weak. So in order to help other people, you want to be strong, ma. A weak cannot help weak, right? Strong can help weak, ma. But but helping others, whoa! You build yourself up, and all the more now, don't you think so? People outside are traumatized, depressed, anxious, suicidal. So as a church of Jesus Christ, who who has the resources to give hope, to give strength. So we need to help the detractors. We need to be merciful, as you say. Come on, all the more we need to do that now. And by doing that, we counter the carnality in the church. Let me let me be more specific. How we build ourselves in the holy faith. We just had the launch of the forty days of fast and prayer on Friday. I don't know you whether you were there or not, and I hope you were. But it's only the beginning; it's a launch. So for the next forty days, starting this weekend for forty days until the fifteenth of September, and can I encourage you, my friend, SIBKL, and those of you who are listening from other churches, fast, pray, at least one meal. Because never before in the history of our nation must the Church of Jesus Christ in Malaysia come together to fast. We have worshipped for for fifty days, twenty four seven. Now, come on, let's pound heaven's doors for our nation, for your for your family, for your own self. It's not automatic. We have to proactively fast and pray. You know that during these forty days, for you and SIBKL, we have a prayer altar every morning from six a.m. to eight a.m. every morning. We also have a prayer altar every night from eight p.m. to ten p.m. Lock into it before you rest for the night. Come on, let's build up our spirit man. Shall we do that? That's how we. Counter carnality. If we don't do that, we will be overcome. Believe me. Come on, church. Let's let's rise up in our spirit as we study this epistle. Let's put everything that we study into practice. So let me close now. In this overview of the. Epistle twenty-five verse. I don't know about you. Even as I say this, I'm so excited. You know, I'm so excited because I want to start teaching on the book of Jude. Right? Let me now read verses twenty-four to twenty-five, which is the most oft-quoted verses and the most well-known verses of Jude. To him, a command. Read it with me. Is it, is it with you? Okay, he's on the screen. Come, all of us, read this benediction, which I've used many times. Just recently, as I closed the Revelation series, I closed with this benediction. A couple of you asked me, Pastor, where where did your benediction come from? Uh, from here. Okay, let's all read together. Are you ready? Every one of you in your living room, in your bedroom, children, especially uh, families. Let's all read loud. Okay, shall we do that? Are, re- are you ready? 
Okay, read out loud. Huh? Are you ready? Verse 24 to verse 25 of Jude. One, two, three. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. Come on, everybody read verse 25. One, two, three. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. And everybody say aloud, Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. What a way to end Jude. I want to say a couple of things before I close. Just at face value, uh, just reading this, uh, I can hear someone say, Aha, pastor! I cannot fall. Why? Because God is able to keep me from falling, ma! So no matter what I do, He will always present me faultless, right? Hey, God! You said so, ma. Your responsibility. You keep me from falling, ma. So, the ball is on your court. Wrong. Why? Verse 24-25 has to be qualified by verse 21. When Jude says, Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Keep yourselves is the Greek word teru. The root word is teru. But the tense here is active, present, continuous tense. Active, in other words, you got to keep yourself. It is true, God is able, but you must abide. He is able, but you must abide. Throughout Scripture, very, very consistent. God will keep you, but you must want it. You must want to be kept yourself. So consistent. God is able, but you must abide. That's how I close, my friend. At the end of the day, let's finish well. And let's not be derailed in any way. And let's do whatever we can to keep ourselves in the love of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to pray, God, that even as we begin our study on the epistle of Jude in the coming days, there's so much in it, oh God, so much in it, that we need to keep ourselves pure before you. We need to keep ourselves in the love of Jesus Christ and avoid content, content in the faith, content together as one man so that together as a church in SIBKL, we will be kept 
holy before you. We want to be kept, Lord, in the love of Jesus Christ so that nothing will defeat us, but instead together we will overcome. We will overcome, Lord, and we want to participate in this coming 40 days of fast and prayer so that our faith is built up. We will be built up in the most holy faith as we pray pray and pray in the holy spirit father lord so god i want to pray right now for all of us today lord that we will be excited not only to study your word but to apply your word lord so that we all live an overcoming victorious christian life in these end times thank you jesus hallelujah come on let's all join me together to worship the lord in these wonderful songs purify my heart Come on, let's sing it as a prayer unto the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I want to thank you that truly, Lord, even as the words of the song goes, purify my heart. Because we want to stand before you, Father, not by our own righteousness, but by the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. And yet, at the end of the day, you've told us, Lord, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling and not take our faith lightly. And so, God, I want to bless every household here. I want to pray, God, for everyone who's not well, who is sick, who is inverted commas, anxious or depressed. May the love of the Lord, may the joy of the Lord, may hope rise, may faith rise in your spirit, man, even as we contend for our faith, contend as one man, and with the strength and the power, the resurrected power of the Lord Jesus Christ, fight, win over the evil one in these dark, dark days. God, we need you, and we know you have promised you will never leave us. You will never forsake us. Thank you, Jesus. And so to him who is able to keep us from falling and to present all of you with, with, uh, before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, the only wise God, the only Olam God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, both now and forevermore. Amen and Amen. God bless you. If any one of you wants further prayer, please go to the prayer altar down below. Whatever your prayer may be, you need strength, you need help. There will be pastors and leaders there only waiting to pray with you and pray for you. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.